Well, good morning. Happy Easter, everyone. Okay, one more time. Happy Easter, everyone. All right. We are, we are very excited to uh, celebrate together. Um, Easter is a wonderful time of year where we are reminded that kind of the seasons are changing with the hot weather. We had a great time at our Easter egg hunt yesterday. Uh, all kinds of activity going on. It's a great time of year. And so we're, but most of all, more than anything else, we are excited to celebrate uh, right here, right now, the fact that Christ has risen from the dead. And so it is a great day. And um, because it's such a special day, uh, my daughter had some thoughts on how we should prepare for the day. Yesterday, we came home from the Easter egg hunt, and we were hanging out, and I was, I was doing something extremely important. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I was watching the Nuggets game, okay, watching the Nuggets. Uh, and so I was important. I was kind of in my recliner, and my daughter uh, came up very excitedly with, like, just all kinds of clothes. And she was like, all right, Dad. And she stood right in front of the TV, and she's like, pause the TV. And she's like, all right, here's some options. Uh, I got this dress, this dress, this dress. And she's like, tell me which one. And then she'd kind of give me this little look like, and I'd be like, that one, of course. Um, and she's like, you're right, absolutely. That's what I said. But mom disagreed with me. And then she's like, all right, now we got to look at mom's outfits. And she's getting out mom's outfits. And she's saying, how about this one? How about this one? And she's like, this is the one. I was like, that one. Yeah, absolutely. And she's like, you're right. You're right. And then a couple of minutes later, she comes in and she's getting my clothes out. And I'm like, okay, all right. Um, and she's coming out and different shirts, different accessories, all these things. So I must tell you today, um, I am uh, wearing clothes. That I, I typically wear jeans on Sunday. We're a very casual place, but my daughter picked this outfit out for me. I had no choice in the matter. She picked it out for me because Easter Sunday, you got to get your, your clothes together. You got to be right. You got to be excited because this is a big day. And so that's how I yesterday prepared for Easter Sunday, more like my daughter prepared me for Easter Sunday. Um, but, you know, we, we sometimes think about days like this just like that. We want to make sure that we look respectable and we're here and we're dressed the part and we're ready to show up to, to celebrate this day. I've even seen... Um, uh, almost like red carpet reveals sometimes in the news. We're like, look at what this famous celebrity wore going to Easter worship at this service. And it's kind of almost like that is a big deal to kind of look that part, to kind of prepare that way and to dress up and look nice. And we do that's how we do Easter. And it's good for family pictures, and I'm not, I'm not demeaning my daughter's efforts. I do appreciate that. I definitely would have looked worse if it wasn't for her help. But I think sometimes we get this concept in our head, we get this idea that when you show up to church or when we talk about things of God, we put on kind of this clothes or this veneer or this kind of outward appearance to say, this is where I'm at. I think even sometimes we even put up a front and say, look at me. I have it together. I am properly dressed. I'm in a proper mood. And so I am now ready to hang out with church people on Easter Sunday. Right? 
Sometimes. And sometimes even we get this false concept of some of the biblical figures in the scripture. Some of the people in the Bible that actually we kind of we, we look to them and we say, wow, what amazing people. They did amazing things. They were incredibly faithful. I can't even believe what they did. And it's like, wow. But the reality is everybody has a backstory. Everybody has a backstory. Everybody has other things going on that are beneath the surface. They have stuff in their past. They have stuff that's going on inside that sometimes isn't so perfect. And sometimes, falsely, we get this idea that we put up and we should like kind of have it all together, dress the part, show up and smile, when the reality is inside there's other things going on. And so today I want to kind of start a series where we're going to talk about the fact that there's all these people have a backstory. All these people have something that they came from. And let's not forget what where that was because we don't just all show up with everything figured out. And that's not the point of all of this. And that's not really the Easter story whether or not we celebrate it that way now in our culture and in our time. That's not the Easter story. So we're going we're gonna to kind of look at that a little bit. And I want to start by looking at the story in the book of Luke, Luke 24, about that first Easter Sunday, the resurrection day. And I want to read that and, and think about kind of some of the characters in the story and their reaction to, this, to what happened that first Easter. So Luke 24, it's going to come up on the screen, but if you have your Bible, you can follow along. It says this. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Understand what they were doing right there is... Jesus died on Friday. Saturday was a Sabbath. They couldn't do work. And so they had to rush Jesus' body off of the cross right before the Sabbath started. And this is their first opportunity to get kind of help Jesus have a proper burial. And like, you know, so they brought some stuff to try to take care of him. Imagine, you know, kind of going through that grieving process and you have to sit on Saturday and do nothing and just kind of wait and hang out and then Sunday morning first thing in the morning these women are like kind of starting that grieving process and they're gonna like start like kind of these actions that you take when someone close to you dies and start preparing for dealing with the death of you know the person that they they've been following and they've been listening to and they've been being mentored by and so they're in the middle of this grieving process taking the things to prepare Jesus' body. And it says in verse 2, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. 
Then they remembered his words. It's an interesting moment because it's kind of like the angels here. And that's what they're described in other um, accounts of this. The angels here are saying kind of like, we to- he told you that this was going to happen. He told you that this is what was going to take place. But it was just so incomprehensible to them at that moment that they just they couldn't process that. They were thinking, how, you know, how could that possibly be? You know, how could it be? But the, but the angels say this interesting line. They're like, what are you doing looking for the living among the dead? Kind of like, come on, people, get with the program here. Jesus told you who's going to do this. And they're like, you know, he's not here. But they're obviously, this is, this is a perplexing moment, right? It says in verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. And all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told them this to the apostles. But they they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So... They, they go, and they're trying to process this and figure this out. So they go to the apostles, the, the, the people who are closest to Jesus, and Peter, and all, John, and these people. And they run to them and say, you know, this is what we've seen. And their response is, it sounds like nonsense. That's, that's the words they use. Um, and it's like, they sound like, this is crazy. And Peter goes, and they're wondering what in the world had happened. So it's the, in this moment that this message is like kind of leaving everybody confused and perplexed. And everybody is kind of looking around, and it seems like nonsense. It's particularly interesting that Mary Magdalene is the person through the Gospels, that is the main person that carries this message and is the first one that proclaims it. And it's, it's interesting because her story and her backstory is, is really perplexing. Her backstory is something that people have speculated about, thought about, and debated about all throughout the history of the church. She's, such an, she's an interesting character because... Quite frankly, she she shows up in all of these different places, and it seems like not the type of person that maybe should be around. Here's kind of her story was this. In a couple of places in Scripture where they're describing Mary Magdalene, they just kind of give this throwaway line that I would just love to have more information about. But in a couple places, they're like, this is Mary Magdalene, who is the one who Jesus cast seven demons out from. That's what they say. This is Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons cast out. And I just want to say, can you pause for a second? There is, there is stuff that has gone on in this person's life, right? There is a lot of stuff. Like you may say, I got demons in my past, but I don't know if you'd say I have seven demons in my past. She has demons that she dealt with. She has a backstory that people have made all kinds of ideas and speculation about because that is what, like, she's known for. 
by, by the different disciples. That's what she's known for. Is she was one that had seven demons cast out of her. And you know, there's a couple of different stories in scripture where people say, maybe this is her backstory. There's a story um, about how in Luke chapter 7, there's a woman that came and anointed Jesus' feet. And they said, do you know who this woman is? She's a prostitute. And Jesus said, you know what? If, you know, if you're somebody that really needs a lot of sins forgiven, you'll probably love me more. And he, he let her continue. And some people have said, maybe that was Mary Magdalene. Maybe that was her backstory. Maybe she was a prostitute. Maybe she was the one that came and anointed Jesus' feet. We don't know. There's another story that lots of people have said, maybe this is Mary Magdalene. In John chapter 7, there's a story where a woman is caught in adultery, and they're about to, they're about to put her to death. And Jesus intervenes and says those words, and he says, uh, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And some people have said, that was Mary Magdalene. Maybe that was it. Because she's got, she's got stories to tell. I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. The scripture doesn't tell us her story. But what we can know is what the people said in that time and what the people understood about her is she was somebody that went through a lot. She was somebody that had a lot going on in her past. She was somebody that had so many things in her past and doesn't seem like the person that you would have represent the message of the resurrection. It doesn't. Why her? In all of human history, this is the most pivotal moment in time where God has come to earth. God has shown up. And Jesus goes to the cross as was prophesied about all throughout scripture. And finally is the sacrifice for all sins. He raises from the dead. And this message will spread across the whole world. Giving hope to millions. And millions and millions of people are gathering today. We're celebrating that. And it started with this woman. Why her? Why is she the one that went and proclaimed this message? Why was she chosen? You would think that if you had a, a if you were going to unveil this kind of information, this kind of story, if you were going to tell this message, you'd get dressed up nice, wouldn't you? You'd hold a press conference and you'd find the most credible person you could find. You'd find the best speaker. You'd find the, the most powerful person. And you'd get everybody around. And you'd have a crafted speech. And you'd have the teleprompter there. And you'd have it all written out. And you'd have a little joke at the beginning. Kind of about, you know, like, hey, my daughter picked up my clothes for me. You know? And then you'd get it all together. You'd set out donuts and coffee. You'd get everything nice and ready and all set up. And you maybe play a few songs to get the crowd going. You know? And then... Maybe an Easter egg hunt. I don't know. That might be too much. Bounce house, definitely. You definitely have a bounce house. And you'd have everybody gather together. Get all the TV crews together. Get everybody out there and have the best, most professional person get out and say, guess what? We have news, everybody. Breaking news. Jesus has risen from the dead. And that's how you would think. That's how we would do it. Isn't it? 
That's how, that's how we'd proclaim it. That's how we would set it up. But the story, Jesus always throws us a curveball. And the message of Christ always, always kind of throws them a curveball. And it's appropriate that they're sitting there saying, this is a bunch of nonsense. This is crazy. This does not make sense. And it specifically doesn't make sense that you're the one telling us this. This is not credible. This doesn't, this doesn't compute. Why does God do it that way? It, and it tells us something about how God operates. See, because you remember the backstory of Easter is the cross, right? That's the backstory of Easter. The backstory of Easter is the God of the universe being humiliated and publicly tortured and humiliated in a way to bring embarrassment and shame. To proclaim to all people that this teaching and this message is dead. Let's publicly make a statement that Jesus and Jesus' followers are fools. And that's what we'll do. We'll put a stop to it. And, and, and in a weird way, we gather and we celebrate the image of torture. We celebrate that. And we, we get crosses and we put them around our necks. And we think about that. And then the weirdest, weird thing we do that I still don't understand and I still haven't figured out is on Friday, the Friday that Jesus died, we say, we call it Good Friday. Weird, right? Why do we call it Good Friday? That is weird. We should call it Torture Friday, Bad Friday, Bad Friday. But you understand that there's a backstory. There's a backstory that is proclaiming something that is not nice dress up and not perfectly in order. Not beautiful flowers, not perfect Easter Sunday morning, not beautifully put together, not all figured out. There's a backstory, and the symbol is torture, and the symbol is pain, and the symbol is struggle. And that is something we, we, we can't forget. We can dress up and we can look the part. But make no mistake about it. Being a follower of, a, of Christ is not about putting on a happy face. It's not about a, like, I have it all together. I'm dressed the part and I am all set. That's not the message of Christ. It's a story about people who came through hell. You understand that? It's the story of people who came through hell. And they came through struggle. And Mary dealt with struggle. She dealt with pain. She dealt with all of it. And she found heaven. And she came through it. And she, she can stand up and she can, she can celebrate and she can be joyful. But don't make any mistake. Everyone has a backstory. And it's not just happy people dressed up. 
And it's not just like, just everybody's happy and cheerful. Don't be fooled by the veneer. You have to understand that there's something else that happened and took place. And that is what Easter is about. Jesus came, endured it all, so it would be crystal clear, no matter what you've gone through, you can find forgiveness. So if you've struggled, if you've sinned, if you've stumbled, you're not the only one. Do you understand that? If you, if you are in the middle of that right now, guess what? You are in the right place. And we, we can't forget that. And don't be fooled by the, the nice people around that gather around. Even if they're happy and joyful now, we've come through stuff. We have a backstory too. So today, I want to kind of leave you with this thought, and I want you to kind of think about Easter a little bit differently than maybe you have. Maybe you've thought about it, making sure that you're looking the part and you're looking nice and you get some pictures for grandma, put it out there on Facebook, get lots of likes, and uh, that is a successful Easter. That's not a successful Easter. It's, it's semi-successful, okay? <laughs> I'll cut you a little bit of slack. But it's different than that. Is maybe we should show up in tattered clothes if we want to be more honest Maybe, don't do that. Maybe, maybe we should show up with it not all figured out. Maybe we should be a little bit more honest about the situation that we're in. And maybe we should kind of think about it a little bit differently than sometimes we celebrate it. Why? Because we can look back, we can look back and we can see all of the things that that have happened in our life. All of the pain, all of, and all of these things. And what we can do, though, on Easter is we can say, in that moment, I understand that I can have a place where I have no more shame. I can know that I am made new. I can know that I am forgiven. And I can fully understand the Easter story and all the backstory and all it entails. Even though I've gone through a lot, it's not me anymore. That's something we can celebrate on Easter. And so if you've bought into the lie that your backstory is what defines you, we need to put a stop to that today. And we need to, we need to put a pause on that. And all of us can look back, and we should, and we should remember, because we do have a backstory. We do have a place where we've come from. We do have things that we've struggled with and had to work through. But Easter Sunday is proclaiming that Christ has risen and you can be transformed. That's the story. And so the symbols that we have at Easter are often the flowers and the nice things. But I want you to remember the pain. And I want you to remember the nail. And I want you to remember the backstory that Jesus went through. And he made it crystal clear to each and every one of us that if that's where you're coming from, that's okay. This is where you belong. The sad thing is, is when people believe the lie that 
you know, I have so many things that have gone on in my past that there's, there's nothing I can do moving forward. What a terrible lie. And that's, that's the terrible lie that Jesus came to proclaim that something else is different. And guess who he had proclaimed that message on that first Easter? Somebody that had some demons. Maybe God did that on purpose so that we wouldn't forget where we all come from. So today we're going to take some moments to stop and to reflect. And maybe take a moment to think back to maybe some of the things in our life that have been painful, that have been harmful. Maybe it's held us back from moving forward. Maybe we need to take a moment and reflect on our own backstory and pause and recognize this is exactly the message that is being proclaimed to us. This is for us. That Christ has risen. Christ has overcome. And there's a new day. Would you join me in prayer? God, I pray that no one in here would let their backstory be the end of the story. I pray that nobody in here would let whatever's happened to them in the past, whatever sins, whatever struggles, whatever doubts, I pray that none of those things would define what happens from here on out. God, over and over and over again, you show up to the people who need you most, and you say there's hope and forgiveness. God, I have demons in my past. I have things that I've struggled with. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for giving me a new life, a new hope. So, God, if everyone out there thinks that this message is nonsense, silliness, if people think that we can't change or we can't overcome some of the things that have happened to us in the past, God, help us to embrace this story that seems like nonsense to others. God, speak to us, transform us, compel our hearts, and do what only you can do. Forgive us of our sins. 
I want to take some time today to continue and pray, and you can reflect yourself on what God is speaking to you about. But let's be crystal clear. The message of Easter calls for a response. And Mary ran off and she proclaimed it to other people. And Peter and all of these people would follow up by committing their life to Jesus Christ. They had a moment in time of decision where they had to say, yes, I am following you. What others say is nonsense, I know is my hope and is the truth and is the way that I can find eternal life and healing in God. I need you. And that's what Easter calls us to is a response. And so, of course, in any setting, on any day, you can cry out to God and say, God, forgive me. And he will show up and he will be faithful and he will forgive. But there's sometimes that what we do is we let a moment like this pass. And we say, okay, well, maybe. And we feel like God is speaking to us in a way, but we say, ah, kind of still feels like maybe some nonsense. I don't know. I'm not sure. I got all these things in my past. There's so much of a backstory. I'm not sure. And then it moves on. And we don't respond. And so my challenge to you today is, is it might be for someone in this room, time for you to respond. Time for you to say yes to Jesus. Say yes, I believe. To say yes, God, I need forgiveness. I need to be healed from all the things that have happened in my past. And so if that's you in a moment here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And the reason, there's two reasons for that. One is so I can pray for you because it is hard and it's a struggle and we want to be here for you. That's what the community of faith is here for. But another thing is, is to make it crystal clear in your mind that it wasn't just, uh, yeah, okay, maybe I said a prayer, but I don't know what that was. For you to settle today and say in your mind, no, I need forgiveness, I need God, and to say, yes, I believe. And it's a very simple thing, and the scripture is very clear. That to be transformed, we just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for what I've done. And cry out to him for help. Say, please, God, come into my life. Forgive me. I believe. I'm putting my hope in you. And thank him because he will show up. So it's a simple message of sorry, please, and thank you. And God shows up. If today, this is the day where you need to say, enough of all these excuses, enough of me saying that the backstory is going to define me. If you today are saying, God, save me. God, forgive me. Right here, right now. Raise your hand and say, I'm settling that right now in my life. God, I f- forgive me. 
God save me. God, we are so thankful and so grateful for the people in this room right now that are raising their hands and saying, God, forgive me because I'm a sinner and I need you. And you have gone to great lengths to demonstrate your love for us and to forgive us. God, we thank you. And so together, those who have said this prayer many times are are just making that crystal clear in their mind today. God, we say we are sorry for our sins. We are sorry for the things that we have done. We're sorry for running away from you. And God, please come into our life. Please set me free. Please forgive me. And God, we thank you. And we praise you for what you have done. Take a moment to offer your own thanks, your own praise, your own words. And just cry out to God with the things that are on your heart. And the God of the universe shows up and he intervenes. No matter what your story is, your backstory is. Pray to God. that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So God, today, we proclaim that, we cry that, we cry out to you and we say, forgive us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. To conclude our service today, we're going to participate in communion. And it's one of these things that is our opportunity to remember the backstory and remember what happened. And we've, we do this every week, but it's something that never gets old, and it's something that I need every week. I need to remind myself that God forgives me. I need to remind myself that I need Him and I need His help. And so today, this is your opportunity to respond. As you come, if you'd like... Take this memento of Easter with you today, and you can take one of these nails. And if today you made a statement and said, I want to be crystal clear that my backstory is not going to define you, take one of these and remember that message. And remember that Christ came for all of us, no matter what our story was, and that you are set free, that you are forgiven. That this is a new day. Before Jesus would go to the cross, he gave us this symbol to remind us 
of all these events that were going to transpire and the Easter message. So he took the bread, he prayed over it and gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. He took the cup, and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink for the forgiveness of sins. What he was saying is, he's saying, remember what has gone on. Remember that backstory, and remember you can be forgiven. Today, you're all invited to this table. Everyone is welcome, because Christ is available to everyone. But if you come, I invite you to do so with, in, with faith. As a step of faith, coming forward and saying, yes, God, I want to follow you. Yes, God, forgive me. Yes, God, help me. Because this is a struggle, and I don't have it all figured out. And God is faithful. He shows up. When we cry out to him, he gives grace to the humble. So you're invited to come. We will both, we'll be at both aisleways, and we participate in what's called intinction. So we'll give you a piece of the bread, and you can dip it into the cup. And let that be a reminder to you of what Christ has done for you. If you'd like to come, you may come.